Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another rainy day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Andy Gilbert, Director of Connection to Channel, a sales and marketing consultancy that develops and grows connections with channel communities. Andy, hello. Hi, Matthew. Thank you for coming on the program. Uh, we might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? I think words that we've kind of a picture, and I think back to inspirational people that I've come across, and um, yeah, so, so I think um, leader would conjure up a an image of a of a CEO that I've worked with in the past that has been uh, particularly um, good from a, uh, a modelling leadership perspective. What was it about uh, that particular individual that inspired you? I think that um, at, at one level he was a kind of a, a kind of a patrician leader. He was very personable. Uh, he was very calm. Um, we knew exactly where he was going to. This this was in a, a fairly major U.S. corporation, so upwards of um, eight to ten thousand people, I think, at the time. So it's a pretty big organization, but everybody in the company knew what he was about. Everybody knew metaphorically where the bus was headed because it was written large at the front of the bus. So, um, and that was his engineering, his his, uh, his leadership style. Um, so firstly, we all knew where we were going. And secondly, because he was a very engaging, personable man, um, he was somebody that always, um, you know, I was, I was certainly was not up at a, uh, a board level. Um, communicator with him as a, uh, a line manager, but he always felt as if you were in his confidence that he was approving of what you were doing, that you were part of his team, um, and that for me is very motivational to be, you know, part of a team on a bus and you know where it's going. How would you describe your personal leadership style? Uh, sorry, so how would I describe your personal leadership style? Well, I'd like to think that I would I would model all and distill down all the good bits of, uh, of leaders that I've come across, and um, try and minimise the bad bits of leadership that I've come across. I think um, I mean the first question, if one is to ask oneself, "Am I a leader?" is simply to look over your shoulder and see who's following you. Um, so, I think there's a lot of people that, that claim leadership that effectively are not really being followed. So that's the first kind of uh, touch point of, um, of a leader is if people are, are following you, then um, then you know you have some kind of leadership. I think that word following has maybe become a little bit um, um, of, a, of a lesser currency in our social media world because it's easy just to click on something and say, I'm following this person. Um, so I'm using that in a more traditional um, following sense. Um but I think, um, you know, if I think about the characteristics that I would, I would aspire to embody, honesty, inspiration, um, clarity, consistency, I think is, is massively important as well. And, and whilst we all live in a world that changes overnight, um, I think it's really important that where there are changes, they're explained 
And if there is a divergence from the stated strategy the leader is heading in, then that's communicated clearly. Otherwise, be consistent. And last but not least, and it doesn't, I hope it doesn't sound too preachy, but humility is massive. Of course. I've come across other bosses who literally would get in the, the car that picks them up in the morning and literally hold out their hand, receive the newspaper, read the newspaper, don't even engage, don't even say hello to the person who's serving them. That's not leadership in my view. That's, um, I don't know, some kind of autocratic person who feels himself above the underlings that serve him. Mm -hmm. um, I'm afraid it's usually a guy. <laughs> um, so humility, I think, is really important. And, and I found it very motivational to know that a leader who's in there with you and they're getting their hands dirty as you are and they may be doing the hours that you are and they're in the trenches with you. Now, of course, uh, people aren't always perfect. Uh, we are imperfect beings. Uh, and there is bound to be, uh, from time to time, uh, conflict within the workplace. How do you resolve conflict? I think, again, if, if one is uh, going through those honesty, inspiration, clarity, consistency, and humility, um, the only way is to, um, to meet it head on and... Um, I, once you've identified it, to meet it early on. So head on and early on, I would say. The longer these things um, continue, the longer they become um, embedded in behaviours and the longer there is a, a sense in the person that's, that's using those behaviours, maybe unwittingly, that those are acceptable behaviours. So right. um, I think it's fairer to both parties to A, be honest, meet it head on, and be um, meet it, you know, early on, and, and come up and hit it in the bud. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there are new people entering the workforce every day, especially uh, people entering uh, the workforce for the first time. What's your advice to young people just leaving school or university and looking for their first job? Yeah, that's a tough place to be because you, you're trying to get experience in a place where you've got no experience. So I think firstly, um, pay attention in class and learn some skills and build knowledge. Um, you know, these things aren't, aren't, um, aren't disregarded by employers. You know, if you've done a degree or even if you've done your A-levels or if you're stuck at school for as long as you can and leave at 16 and you really want to work, um, I think um, employers recognize that and they recognize drive and um the other important thing is just be yourself. The most difficult thing to be in life is somebody else. The most difficult thing is to play up to somebody else's expectation uh, of who you are, apart from the regular expectation that you're going to turn up smartly dressed and smile at people. Um, so just be yourself and um, be honest about where you're at. Um, people are much more likely um, to give you the time of day and to share their experience. Um, if you're interested, if you're honest, mm -hmm. and if you're asking questions about their experience um, so that you can borrow from that experience. Now, if I was to ask you to objectively identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Wow. Tricky, I, I know. Yeah, I think in a, in a, in a business context. Um, in, a, in, a, in a general context. 
In a general context, yeah, that's tricky. I think they, you know, I think you've got to kind of dot the target with with individuals because each would have different characteristics. I think um, Nelson Mandela is an obvious candidate um, because he sucked up a lot of grief and pressure and came out um, in a position of power and didn't use that power for um, personal recrimination, but he used it to build his country. I think that's a that's a that's a big deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think speaking as a Brit, I think um, people like uh, Barack Obama, who's a really thoughtful guy, is uh, very intelligent and very considerate of other people's views. I think he's a great leader. Um, I think Margaret Thatcher was a great leader for the UK, and um, in context, made some tough decisions, but made some probably right decisions and stuck to her guns. And was again was a very intelligent leader. Um, so I think there's lots of different aspects, and even if you don't agree with their politics, I think you can take things from leadership and from leadership examples um, that you can apply to your own life. And as always, it's much easier to talk about stuff than to do it. So look at people that are doing it, and pick the bones out and eat the chicken. And again, this all feeds back to the uh, concept of consistency. Um, all three leaders that you discussed were, were very consistent in their, in their view and in their actions. Um, now, unfortunately our time together is drawing to its close, but before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for connection to channel? Well, I think, um, in some regard, more of the same, um, deepening relationships with existing clients and, um, building on, on what I'm currently delivering to them. Um, but I think that um, you know the the, the future is um, is bright for bright people. So um, I think there's always opportunity to expand, to identify new opportunities within the client, um, with other clients, and um, to develop new offerings. And really, I think the the only the only fear of the future is not listening, not being aware, and not taking calculated risk. So as long as you're you're doing those three things, learning every day is a school day, learning new stuff, um, listening to what what, um, clients are saying, assessing their views, and seeing how one might improve on service to them, then that's got to be a a good way for the future. And in the meantime, obviously, you've got to keep things ticking over and, and do consistently what you're already delivering on. Well, Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I very much hope you come back on the program at some point in the near future. Andy, thank you. I'd love to. Thank you, Matthew. Cheers. That was Andy Gilbert, Director of Connection to Channel. And now, if you haven't heard it before, it's Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did... Uh, score nothing for Essex, uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. 
many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He um, He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, uh, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership. 
and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely, and um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, up naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a, a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, 
whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and the most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or 400 people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, 
when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we... You've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. I, just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, me laugh that If you could put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think. Um, you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke, and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's have a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely—you've mm. got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this over a period of time, in a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, 
and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, well, the, the answer is straightforward. Answer is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many... Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players, players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is showed, team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mindedness, uh, single mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. If you, I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, 
you may, you know, have a, wait, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you completely focus, you're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome, Bruce. Good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over the, go over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.